0: ESPN 1000 every weeknight, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. You can also find us on the go with the ESPN Chicago app, and you can watch us on Twitch. Shout out to all the Twitchers, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Tyler Rocky sitting in for the guys today. It is an All Calls Friday here on Black and Abdallah. All calls are welcome. It's presented by the Chicago Hounds, Chicago's new professional rugby team. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on into the conversation here. We've got a great matchup in both sides. We've got a great one on the AFC side between the Bengals and Chiefs. We've got a great one on the other side in the NFC as well with the Eagles and the 49ers. And I did a little did a little number. We got some math from Mitchell earlier on about what a centennial is, even though I don't think that's a proper definition. But that's math with Mitchell right there. Um, but I did some math myself, and I've got three stats from each game that I think are going to be important and will end up determining the game. So let's get into it here. We'll start on the NFC side. And we start with the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Three stats from this game that I think are going to ultimately determine the outcome of this game. Number one, Philadelphia led the league in rushing touchdowns out of read option inside the 20-yard line. Now that probably sounds very nuanced and in the weeds and stuff like that, but I think it's important here. So, they had 11 touchdowns out of read option inside the 20-yard line. Here's why I think that's important. Because the San Francisco 49ers have not faced a lot of running quarterbacks this season. In fact, you look through the opposition on who they faced, they didn't face any. Jalen Hurts is a guy that can tuck it and run, especially off of designed runs like the read option. The only rushing quarterback true rushing quarterback that the 49ers faced this year was Marcus Mariota, a guy who's got dual threat capabilities. Now, I know he faced the Bears, or the 49ers faced the Bears week one, but that was really before we saw Justin Fields become a rushing quarterback. This was in the era of Bears football this season where Justin Fields was not a runner. He was not utilized in that fashion. Marcus Mariota on the other hand, was a little different. He went for six rushes for 50 yards and also had a, a rushing touchdown in that game as well. Um, usually the Niners will face a running quarterback, but Kyler Murray was injured for both of those meetings uh, this season. So I'm intrigued by what we're going to see with Marcus or with uh, Jalen Hurts and his ability to play out of the read option because I think that's going to be a great tool to utilize for Philadelphia and this offense um, against this vaunted 49ers defense. That is one of the best in all of football. All right, three stats from each game here in the NFC and AFC championship. Number two here, last week was the first week where Brock Purdy has made a start but has not accounted for a touchdown. He's thrown for at least two touchdowns in every game he's started. Now Dallas with a the team there's a little more film on Purdy every single week a little more film on Purdy and the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan every single week that we're starting to get and last week he kind of he kind of found himself in a little bit of a rut it was not the the Brock Purdy that we've seen from from Uh, prior games and even in the the prior postseason game where he went for 332 yards and three touchdowns. Last week, Brock Purdy goes 19 for 29. Still a solid completion percentage at uh, 65% there. But he only throws for 214 yards and his long was 31 yards. That, of course, was the big play to George Kittle that was fumbling around off of his helmet, and ultimately he pulls it in. But you think about that, that's a 31-yard completion. That's a hit away from Trayvon Diggs. If he just hits George Kittle and doesn't whiff, that you wipe 31 yards off the board there, and he has 283 yards in that game, or 183 yards, rather, in that game. Um, So right there kind of shows you that I think the league – Uh, And this is a good Dallas defense that they went up against last week. And Dallas, I think, has has a a defense that is just as good as the Eagles. This could be a, 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 a matchup that maybe the Eagles come out on top because their offense, I'm way more confident in delivering in a big game situation right here. But last week, the first start where Brock Purdy was held without a touchdown. Here's another one for you. The last one here. Philadelphia had the most sacks in non-blitz situations. 50 of their 77 sacks this season came in non-blitz situations. So that shows you that the Eagles can get to the quarterback with three or four guys rushing. And I think this is important because the Eagles struggle with tackling. It's one of their big weaknesses, actually, defensively. And this is a 49er team that is very explosive and very good in yards after catch. Think about some of the players that they have at their disposal that are really good in the yards after catch department. Obviously, Debo Samuel with what they, wherever they can move him throughout the course of the field. Uh, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield is a, another name and in the screen game that he can make some things happen yards after catch-wise. And George Kittle as a receiver, another guy who's very explosive in the yards after catch. And Brandon Ayuk, too guy who had a thousand yard season this year so i look at the yards after catch i think that could be a problem but if you only have to send three or four guys to get after the quarterback it's going to help your defense focus on tackling and team tackling and avoid some of the missed tackles there uh one bonus one for you here that i'll give and i know i said i was only going to give you three but these are two of the best teams in turnover differential San Francisco, best in the NFL at a plus 13 in turnover differential. And Philadelphia at third with a plus 10. So this could come down to which defense really comes to play, which quarterback's going to take care of the football as well. Brock Purdy's done a really good job of it. He has done a fantastic job. Only four interceptions this season in his, his limited time, albeit just about half a season that he's played this year but he has done a good job of taking care of the football, and that's something that both of these quarterbacks are going to have to do. Just uh, twelve or 11 games for Brock Purdy this season, and he's got a chance to continue to make a little bit of history here along the way. All right, let's move over to the AFC game here. All right? And this was something I was actually going to bring up a little bit earlier, but I figured I'd save it for right now. Someone called, I, I believe it was when Mark and Lincoln Park called, talking about this matchup between burrow and mahomes patrick mahomes the last game that he played on an ankle sprain 2019 week two against then the oakland raiders he threw for 443 yards and four touchdowns on the road in the victory ankle sprain 443 yards and four touchdowns for patrick mahomes We know he's going to be playing with a similar situation this week. It's going to be interesting to see how the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid try to get him mobilized and how they try to get um, Patrick Mahomes comfortable back there because you look at what Mahomes did last week right? on the ankle sprain. He was solid, but he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Now that he knows what his limitations are and what he can and can't get away with, He didn't go into that game expecting to sprain his ankle and having to maneuver around what it's like to to play with an ankle sprain. This week, he's going to understand his limitations, what he can and can't do. Andy Reid can game plan for that. And that's why I think that even though the Chiefs are going to be at a disadvantage health-wise at quarterback, I still think they have a good chance to win this football game. Stat number two, Joe Burrow has never led a fourth-quarter touchdown drive in the playoffs in his career. Just let that settle in for a little bit here. Joe Burrow has never led a fourth-quarter touchdown drive in the playoffs in his career. He's played in six games. He's produced 15 fourth-quarter points. I think this could be a game that really comes down to the wire, and it may require Joe Burrow to go out there and lead a fourth-quarter touchdown drive. The only touchdown that's been scored in the fourth quarter... Between the with the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs, while Joe Burrow has been the quarterback, was the Sam Hubbard 98 yard scoop and score from the Bengals or from the the Ravens game in the the Super Wildcard weekend this year. So I want to see Joe Burrow do it in the fourth quarter against this Chiefs defense. And then the third thing that I, the third stat I'll give you from this game last week, the Cincinnati Bengals ran for 57 yards before contact. That's their third most that they had this season, and they did it while missing three starters. What I saw last week out of the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line was tremendous. And I know we're not exactly certain on what the health status is. Zach Taylor wouldn't commit to how many guys were going to be healthy for this game yet So on the offensive line. But what they did last week, Burrow was only sacked one time, and that offensive line was moving, guys, on that Bills front four and front seven. Um, Now, we don't know exactly what the weather's going to be like, but it could be similar conditions. We could see some snow down there. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a weather report from Cap down there on on Sunday Um, because he's going to be in attendance at the AFC Championship game. But Cincinnati's going to have to run the ball effectively against the Chiefs as well and play complimentary football alongside what we know Joe Burrow can do throwing the football, but they're going to have to have that same level of dedication to the running game. They've got two really good backs with Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine. So I'm going to have to see that offensive line continue to play the way that it did last week against the Buffalo bills because the bills have a better defense than the Kansas city chiefs. But we've also heard too one of the toughest things, in, um, when you play in some of these snow games is when you're moving backwards, right? Like moving forwards, you have a little more control and you know where you're going with it. When you look in a pass rush, they know where they're going at all times and it's more reactionary from the offensive line in certain instances. Um, and it's the same thing with a wide receiver running a route versus a cornerback. Cornerback's going to be backpedaling a little bit. Wide receiver knows where they're going. Cornerback in a man-to-man scheme is going to be more reactionary. So that is going to be an important thing, how the offensive line performs for Cincinnati in this game. And those are my three stats from each of the AFC and NFC championship games that we have on Sunday. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun with you here on ESPN 1000 on Sunday. From 1.30 to 5.30, we are going to have the BetCast presented by FanDuel, Bleck, and Abdallah, are going to be with you from 1.30 to 5.30, talking all things gambling, NFL, football, playoffs, all that fun stuff. We're going to be making some bets here as well. I'll be here with the guys. Charlie Bevins is going to be here as well. So we will be gambling away and taking you through some of the bets that we like and doing some in-game betting as well. So looking forward to that. The BetCast right here on ESPN 1000 will be hanging out with you on the radio as well as on Twitch and the ESPN Chicago app. So be sure to be locked and loaded for that coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to that. All right. When we come back here, we'll continue to take your calls. 312-332-3776. It is an All Calls Welcome Friday here on Bleck and Abdallah, presented by the Chicago Hounds, Chicago's new professional rugby team. And the Bulls' decision was made for them last night. The Bulls' decision on how they are going to attack their next five years was made for them last night. I will explain why I believe that. Coming up next, Tyler Rocky sitting in for Bleck and Abdallah on ESPN 1000.
1: You're listening to Bleck and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah are back. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. On FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000.
0: ESPN 1000. They were in for Greeny earlier today. If you missed any of Bleck and Abdallah from 10 to noon, you can check it out on the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got some Bulls thoughts that I want to get to in a little bit. But first, let's go out to Joe. He's in West Chicago. Joe, what's going on? You with us, Joe?
2: Hey, I'm here, Tyler. What's going on, Joe? Uh, Wanted to check
0: with you. So first, uh, I want to see what your biggest play of the weekend uh, is going to be as far as the two NFL games. And then my second, I, I kind of want your take on Nick Sirianni and what, what you think of him. You know, I, I think he's a bit of a showman, not the biggest fan of him. I know there's a lot of love for what he's
2: be, what he's been doing in this first year. Seems to love the camera. Uh, just
0: curious on your take on Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Um, so I would say this. I here's what I think uh, for this weekend. I think one of my favorite plays is the Eagles. I really like their chances to win minus two and a half. It's not at a three at that crucial number of three yet. So I do like the Eagles this weekend. You heard me on like it, love it. I gave that out as my love for this weekend. And then in terms of uh, Nick Sirianni, how do I feel about him? So Sirianni to me is one of those guys. I think when he came into the NFL, a lot of people thought he was a goof. He had some weird press conferences and stuff like that. But I think that the job he's done and the way that he's kind of navigated, it feels like he's Brandon Staley, but he's got a clue. He's got this edge to him. He like, yes, I think he likes being the center of attention with everything that's going on over the course of the football game, and he takes calculated risks. But I think he does it, and he's just a sharper Brandon Staley, which Brandon Staley was one of those guys, when he came into the league, I was enamored by him because he did it differently. He did it more of the quote-unquote Madden style and would go for it on fourth down more often and sometimes even at puzzling times. But I was at least intrigued to see how he sort of maneuvered coaching a football game. Brandon Staley I've largely fallen out of favor with. I think he should be out as the the coach of the the uh, the Los Los Angeles Chargers. Um but in the case of Sirianni, I think he's got it almost feels collegiate and I think it's something that eventually is going to come back to bite him at a certain point. Like your arrogance that like the perceived arrogance sort of around him right now I think it's good when you've got a roster as talented as he has. But it can go south. Like, eventually, all these guys are going to have to get paid, right? Eventually, Jalen Hurts is going to have to get paid. Eventually, Devontae Smith is going to have to get paid. Some guys on the defensive side. Uh, What are you going to do long-term with with A.J. Brown and and with some of your defensive players on the line and at linebacker and some of the rookies that you have? Um, Eventually... The roster talent's going to take a dip. So how are you, what are you going to be like when that roster talent ultimately takes a dip? But um, I think for now it works, but I think it's something that, especially in a city like Philadelphia, where they are always, always on the case of coaches. I, I mean, they're, they're the city that drove Andy Reid out of town, right? So I think in the case of Sirianni, It's good while it's good, but it's something that certainly could go south, and I think Eagles fans could get tired of at a certain point as well. 312-332-3776. Appreciate the uh, phone call from Joe there in West Chicago. All right, so the Chicago Bulls, all right? I want to take a little basketball pivot here. The Chicago Bulls, last night coming off of an embarrassing loss to the Charlotte Hornets, a team that checked in at fourteen, rather thirteen and thirty-six at the time, now sitting at fourteen and thirty-six for the course of the season. And this is on the heels of Tuesday when the Bulls blew a twenty-one point lead to the Pacers. Now, I looked at what the Bulls are doing, right? They they had the the win against the Warriors. Before they went to Paris and then they obliterated the Pistons overseas. Then they came back and picked up a nice win against the Hawks. So you're looking at three straight double digit wins, one against the Hawks team that is like in the playoff conversation, one against the Warriors, the defending champions, and then one against the Lowly Pistons. But hey, you're taking care of business in Paris, like who knows? Some things can go awry when you get some of these games that aren't played in traditional venues, right? And I looked at the schedule ahead for the Bulls at that point. At that point in the season, the Bulls were sitting at 22 and 24. They were playing better basketball. They had won 10 of, the, of their last 16. It looked like they may be turning the corner. It looked like a rejuvenated group. But, I, and then I looked at the schedule ahead and I saw at Indiana, at Charlotte, at Orlando. Three bad teams, and that was an Indiana team that was undermanned as well. Three bad teams ahead. I get they're all on the road, but three bad teams ahead. You should be able to take care of business. Maybe you drop one just because it's the, it's the NBA and it's a, a long road trip. But I thought you could go three and zero. Worst case, two and one. Starting this road trip, zero and two, has determined the lane that AK and Mark Eversley need to pick. It has started the lane because I thought this stretch of 3 games was going to potentially trick the front office. And you can even extend it out a little bit more. You look at the game, their first game home out of the road trip. It was going to be home against the Clippers. That's going to be a tough game, but who knows? You got LA In the midst of a road trip for them, could be a little bit difficult there. And then you got Charlotte at home, Portland at home, San Antonio at home. Three teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And I looked at that, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Right in time for the trade deadline, we're going to look at this team, and they're going to have tricked the front office into thinking, let's roll with this, we're not going to blow this thing up, because it is time to just take the dynamite out with the current group that the Bulls have right now because we have not gotten Zach LaMax to do his thing at the highest level in these crunch time games. He sh- there is enough talent on this team. Like we, we talk about the the Bears all the time, right? Not enough talent on that team. There is enough talent on this Bulls team for them to be winning games and to be a playoff team. There's enough talent to be a piece away to go out and make a move and put yourself in the conversation to win a playoff series or two, maybe not win a title yet, but you want to be in the thick of things in the playoffs. You want to be playing multiple meaningful series in the playoffs. And this bulls team is not at that point right now. This two game losing streak, I get it's a short sample size, but this two game losing streak should be enough for this front office to take a look and say, This is the the direction we have to go. It's time to clean this thing up. Let's get rid of some of these pieces right now because there's guys on this team that are playing well, a la DeMar DeRozan, and even Vooch has played pretty well over this recent stretch of games. There are pieces on this team that are attractive to other teams, especially contending teams that may be a scorer away, that may be a defensive player away. There are enough pieces on this team to ship out to start to rebuild this thing. And also, there's a little nuance, too, to this Vooch trade. Remember the Vooch trade? The one that, at the time, AK and Eversley made, and we're like, oh boy, this is a new iteration of Bulls basketball. This is a new era. We've got a front office that's going to go out, make moves, get us an all-star. And that trade has gone south really quickly. However, there is a catch to it. And I get it's a risky catch, but I think it's a risk that is worth taking if you're the Chicago Bulls. You know, if the Bulls land in the top four in the NBA draft for this year and next year, instead of having to surrender a first-round pick to the Magic, as the last piece to be shipped over in the Vooch trade, it term turn, it turns into two second round picks. I think that's a little nuance that a lot of Bulls fans aren't aware of with the Vucevic trade. If the Bulls land in the top four in the NBA draft, the ping pong balls bounce their way in the NBA draft this year and next year, and they're in the top four, then there are no first round picks that are going to be surrendered to cap off the Vucevic trade. It'll just be a pair of second rounders going Orlando's way. And here's why I think the risk is worth taking right now if you're the Bulls. It's because where are you going in the next two years anyway? Where are you going? This isn't a team that can go out and win a playoff series right now. Like, sure, they've got a good record against good teams this year, right? But do you trust the Bulls to be able to do this consistently and win a seven-game series against a good team? Because I don't. Even though the record may show you that they can go out and beat some of these teams, you can do it in a singular instance. Can you do it four times over the course of a week and a half? Can you do that? I don't know because all I've seen from the Bulls is occasionally great not consistently good, and if you're going to be a team that's going to make a run in a series-based playoff, you have to be consistently good, not occasionally great. Because occasionally great got you what you saw last year—you got an occasionally great game in that series against the Bucks, and you got swept, or you you got or you lost the series four to one. You didn't get swept, but you, in, in all essence, it was not competitive. Four one last year to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think now if you're not going anywhere in the next two years and you don't have any assets in the bank, it's time to ship some things out and it's time to take the plunge to try to land in the top four each of the next two seasons so you can collect a couple more assets, not have to surrender any more assets as well. And who knows, maybe you get a franchise-changing player in the process as well, maybe two of them. If you somehow land in the top four, if you're not going to be in a position to win a playoff series, then there's no point in not blowing this thing up right now, because I think it's a risk that's worth taking. And listen, you don't land in the top four. All right. You surrender the first rounder and you move on from there. And that may even reboot this thing a little bit quicker too. I, I think it is worth taking the gamble right now. If you're AK and Mark Eversley, I think you have to. So 312-332-3776 if you want to chime in with any Bulls thoughts here. We'll get to those. And also, I've got some college basketball thoughts that I want to get to as well. We'll do all that when we come back right here on Black and Abdallah.
1: Chicago's
0: home for sports. Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. Hey, looking for a night out? Drinks are on the Blackhawks. That's your next game with the Blackhawks Beer Pack, starting at just $49 a seat. Each beer pack includes a ticket to the game and a credit for two draft beers or other drinks of your choice. Grab your friends for a night out with the Blackhawks. Visit blackhawks.com slash beer pack to secure your seat today. Must be 21 and older to purchase and please drink responsibly.
1: Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports.
0: I'll give you some college basketball thoughts in just a little bit here because it is actually one of my favorite weekends of college basketball we've got the sec big 12 challenge so i will give you the games how i see them for this weekend because i'm going to rank the most watchable games in the sec big 12 challenge in just a second um but first let's check in with morgan he's on the south side what's going on morgan
2: oh yeah how you doing i just wanted to make a comment i agree with you about tearing it up and doing things like that but what i see during that three-game winning streak when Demar was out I saw the ball moving. I saw teamwork. I saw guys trusting guys. Demar come back, and the ball is like a black hole. I know he can score. I like Demar. I like everything that he brings to the team. But it's not a team. I coach. I coach basketball for youth basketball, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I could take my lesser skilled kid and coach that kid up, and let him know what his strengths are. Yeah. Billy Donovan has to do the same thing with them guys. I know they're millionaires, but they still need to be coached. They still need to be coached. And I'm just upset that we lose into teams that we should be beating. And then against teams like Boston and Golden State, we're competing at a high level. Yeah, You can never say down too. a competition. Yeah. Never.
0: Yeah, no, it's frustrating, Morgan, and I get it, and I appreciate the phone call. It's the inverse of what we saw last season. Last season, this team could not beat a playoff team to save their lives. And they just beat up on the bad teams. And this year, it's the complete opposite. They're only beating the good teams. And then they're losing some real head-scratchers in some real excruciating fashions as well. Mike's in Glendale Heights. What's up, Mike?
2: Yeah, hey, how are you guys doing?
0: What's going on? Uh, I'm just wondering. So when I watch the Bulls now, uh, I feel like Zach Levine just isn't... Uh, max contract player. He's not really the guy in clutch time or otherwise.
2: He doesn't seem to have mm-hmm. what it takes. Um, but one thing I'm also wondering too is the, uh, you know, when this team was fully healthy, we were in first place and kind of dominating. Uh, were we playing above our level at that point? And also, how much does having ball healthy, um, kind of change how good Levine is? So
0: you're, you're talking about last year. Uh, Was this team playing above their level? Um, I I think so. Um, When you look at, and again, it's one of the things that I sort of mentioned, too, a second ago, but this team beat up on bad teams and couldn't beat good teams. And you look at the schedule, it was front-loaded with a lot of bad teams, too, so they were taking advantage of a weak schedule. And even one of the few wins that they got against a playoff team last year was against Boston. And it came, I want to say it was like within the first five games of the season last year. And that was when Boston was an absolute mess of a team. That was not the Boston team that we saw at the end and ultimately make it to the finals right. there. Um, and then in terms of uh, what you're saying about Lonzo Ball, I think Lonzo Ball makes everyone better. He's one of those rare players in the NBA who, his presence on the floor is super important because he doesn't need the ball in his hands, and he makes players better that way. But here's the thing, with Lonzo Ball, as good as I think I'm a big Lonzo Ball fan, I really like him. Um, yeah. But as good as he is, we're not talking like this team's missing Kevin Durant right now. We're not talking right. like this team's is lose lost Giannis to an injury here. They lost Lonzo Ball. All right, he's a good piece. But this is a guy who's probably never, even if he was fully healthy, probably never going to make an all-star team. Or if he did, it'd only be like one. He's not an all-star. It's a role player that you're missing right now. Albeit an important role, but it's a role player that you're missing. You're not missing an all-star or some all-world player. So I think that's the one thing that Bulls fans um, have kind of spun themselves silly with a little bit is that Lonzo is this panacea. When Lonzo Ball comes back, everything's going to be better. And I don't think that's the case. Are they going to be better with Lonzo Ball? Is this team better with Lonzo Ball? 1,000% yes. But to say that he is all of a sudden going to make this team a a 60-win caliber team, I think is also extremely delusional. So those are my thoughts on Lonzo Ball. I love him as a player, but I just think that... Uh, Bulls fans are not rational at times when it comes to what his presence truly means to this team.
2: Okay. And yeah, I think uh, you know, defensively
1: he adds a lot too. But then yes, going no back doubt. to Levine. Going back to Levine real quick, mm-hmm. I feel
0: I just feel like he's he's not playing up to the level of what we're paying him. Would you nope. just, I mean I would sell low on him if I could. I feel like if we can get rid of
1: him, even if it's for much less than what we ideally want, I would I would maybe do that.
0: Yeah, and listen I don't think it's necessarily selling well. I think you're kind of just selling at the market value of Zach Levine. I don't think he's changed at all what he's what he's been. I think he's literally the player that we've seen in years past. It is yeah, the I same agree. Zach Levine. And I think that whatever appetite there is out for the league to trade for that is unchanged. Even though the dollars and cents have changed, um, you knew you were going to have to pay that if you wanted To trade for Zach Levine. And that's why I was a big advocate in the offseason of working out some sort of sign and trade. Maybe it had to be a three-team trade too, to try and get Donovan Mitchell. Because that's a player that's been the best player on a one seed. And you've seen what he's done to change the course of the Cavaliers season this year. I'm with you.
1: I I was always team
0: Mitchell. Yep. Have a good night, Mike. Appreciate the phone call here. 312-332-3776. Are you ready to blow things up if you're the Chicago Bulls, Robertson Maywood. Robert, what's going on?
2: Hey, how's it going, brother, this evening?
0: I'm good. What you got for us tonight, Rob?
2: I got a few, uh, you know, opinions. I've been watching the Bulls since 66. I'm a senior, man. I've been watching them all 57 years. Love it. Here's what I see, my man. Let me name five people right quick for you. Serge Ibaka, Steven Adams, Westbrook, Durant, and uh, DeBeard.
0: -hmm. James Harden, yep.
2: Our friend Billy Donovan once coached those five guys. Never won nothing close to the big one. Okay, Calipari and Patino tried the NBA, as you're aware of. Mm -hmm. Excellent college coaches tried the NBA. It wasn't for them. The NBA is not for Billy Donovan, a proven college winner. The NBA. Is not for him. Based on the five All-Stars he coached, they weren't All-Stars the same year, but over a period of time, those are five All-Stars down there in OKC.
0: Well, and, I, I will correct you real quick, Robert, because he did not actually coach that team that had James Harden. James Harden had already been traded at the time. But the, are I, you I gained, sure? Yeah. His first year in Oklahoma City was 2015-2016. Um, okay, but yeah, I get what your your point is. Okay,
2: though. my point is he's an excellent college coach. I don't think he uh, he's with the uh, the NBA. Although he's you know he's got name recognition and he's got good uh, car salesman speeches after the game and all that good stuff. Uh, now my last point is the Bulls are what we thought they were. Zach Levine was the best player on a bad team. The Bulls went and got him uh uh booch was the best player on a bad team they went and got him DeRozan was on a decent team in toronto and they traded him and they won after they got rid of him he went to san antonio and where did he become the best player on a bad team Mm -hmm. so you cannot win the nba with the best players on bad teams you got to get the best players on good teams if you intend to win, I really think Billy Donovan is not an NBA-proven coach. And uh, he has good tactics, good work ethic, uh, a good uh, a good speech after the game, and good description of what happened, which we all saw. But I think he's in that Rick Pitino, John Calipari, uh, 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 a line of uh, work right there. Good for college, and the pro might be a little bit too much for him. So last but not least, uh, yeah, they got to blow it up, man, because they got a lot of one-dimensional players and not one of them have a clue about defense. Now, Levine never played defense where he was before. Boosh never played defense, nor did DeRozan. So I think the problem is obvious there. They put together a collection of good players from bad teams. So we got what we got, man. So... uh that's all I got, brother.
0: Yeah, appreciate the call, Robert. You have a good night. Okay, stay safe now. Thank you. You as well. That's Robert and Maywood there. I agree. I largely agree with a lot of the stuff that he had to say there. All right, when we come back, it is one of my favorite weekends in college basketball. It's the SEC, the Big 12 Challenge. I will give you my rankings of the games that you need to watch this weekend in college basketball. That's coming up next here on Black and Abdallah. This
1: is Chicago's home. Sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago at and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago,
0: to Kendra Smith and Brendan Riley for producing tonight's show of Bleck and Abdallah. The guys will be back on Sunday from 1.30 to 5.30 for the BetCast, talking all things gambling and football and NFL, getting you ready for the NFC Championship game between the Niners and the Eagles, and then previewing the uh, Bengals and the Chiefs. That's coming up this weekend. You can get it on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2 course, the ESPN Chicago app, and we'll be on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. It's all brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, Real quick, I want to get David and Clarendon before I get you my SEC Big 12 rankings, Uh, but David, what you got for us tonight? Hey, buddy. What's going on, David?
2: I'd rather talk talk football, but I heard the conversation was on Zach Levine, Mm -hmm. so I thought I might as well chime in with my two cents for what it's worth. It's only worth what you paid for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, is he going to make an All-Star team this year?
0: No chance. I have a very hard time believing Zach Levine's going to make an All-Star team this year. And David, appreciate the phone call here. Uh, he was playing at a much higher level last year. Uh, at up to this point, and the Bulls were winning. The Bulls were winning games. And Zach Levine was a part of it. He was rolling alongside DeRozan. I mean, DeRozan's been the best player on this team, and he's not even a lock to be an all-star. So, all right. Uh, each week on Bleckenham and Abdallah, I usually give you a little bit of a college basketball update here on the show. Um, If you want more of my college basketball thoughts, Basketball you the podcast, get it wherever you get your podcasts, including the ESPN Chicago app. This week I talked with Jordan Cornett, our old friend here from ESPN 1000, on the news of Mike Bray retiring. Um, But here are my college basketball thoughts, and it all centers around the SEC Big 12 Challenge. It is my favorite in-season event that takes place in college basketball, except for a conference tournament and uh, the NCAA tournament, of course. It's my favorite event because these games are played in the winter and it's something that I hope the ACC and SEC adopt when they move this to the ACC SEC challenge next year. So this is what I'm looking forward to here for the ACC or for the SEC Big 12 challenge this upcoming weekend. There's 10 games um, and they all mean something because they are played during the conference window pretty much everything before the new year. You sort of throw out when you're getting into crafting a, a tournament resume, but here are my ten through one, the most, the games I'm looking forward to most. So number ten in the in the basement here, Ole Miss at Oklahoma State. Don't really have an appetite for this one. I'm probably gonna pass on this one. Um, number nine, Texas Tech at LSU. Neither of these teams are all that great, um, so I'm not a big fan. And LSU has a bunch of. Um, penalties being handed down to them as well. So they're not really playing for any sort of tournament contention. Um, now this is where it gets interesting because the Big 12 has the most teams packed inside the Ken Palm top 65. And it's it's fun to watch the Big 12 because it, it's a very cannibalistic league because anyone can beat anyone right now. It's very deep. And there's a chance that this league, nine of the 10 teams get into the NCAA tournament so my number eight game Auburn at West Virginia really intrigued by this one Auburn's been one of those teams that's just kind of been lurking in the shadows they're ranked 15th right now 16 and 4 on the season but I think they can have a good game at West Virginia Florida at Kansas State Kansas State the number five team in the country Florida's got a fantastic center in Colin Castleton but the story here is Is It is a matchup between Keontae Johnson and his former team. It's a really heartwarming story. If you're not familiar with it, Keontae Johnson had a similar situation as to what happened and what we saw with DeMar Hamlin, where he collapsed during a game and had to sit out a year and is back on the basketball floor. He was the SEC preseason player of the year at the time. Transferred, though, from Florida to Kansas State uh, for this past season. So that's going to be cool to see him reunited with some of his old teammates there. TCU at Mississippi State. TCU is one of the funnest teams in the country to watch, uh, but they're on the road for a, a tough one in Starkville. Alabama at Oklahoma. I've said it before. Brandon Miller is the best collegiate player that is going to be an NBA prospect. Um, so if Brandon Miller's on my TV, I'm watching it. Grab Nor, uh, Bama at Oklahoma. Arkansas at Baylor. This game's a ton of fun. Baylor's got one of the best offenses in all of college basketball, and they're on a five-game winning streak in the Big 12. Always impressive there. My number three game, Iowa State at Mizzou. I think these are two really closely matched-up teams, and they play different styles of basketball. Defense on one side for Iowa State, offense on the other side for Mizzou. And then Kansas at Kentucky is my number two game. Kentucky's playing much better basketball. Bill Self now with a chance to lose four games in a row for the first time since being named the head coach at Kansas. And then my number one game, Texas at Tennessee. These are is the uh, top 10 matchup between these two teams. So looking forward to that. That is the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And my overarching theme here, a lot of the better teams are on the road this week so i think that's going to lead to a lot of chaos coming up um so yeah that those are my thoughts on the big 12 sec challenge again download basketball you wherever you get your podcast that's going to do it for me tonight the odds couple with mike north and carmen defalco is coming up next here on espn 1000
1: black and abdallah on espn chicago chicago's home for sports